The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain. I'm retired from medical practice. And now I'm an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, today's episode is Family Caregivers Keeping Family Information. And here's a summary of what I've learned from guests in previous episodes of Family Caregivers Unite about specifically the importance of family information for family caregivers. What uh, family caregivers say clearly and consistently is that when they became family caregivers, they simply didn't know anything like enough about very important things. They didn't know what they didn't know and what they needed to know. And finding out what they needed to know took them much too long at a very stressful time. They looked to the Internet and information technology for information, but so often the information is presented in... Secure medical talk or in language which makes them wonder if they could trust it. They are aware that more and more organizations, and not just doctors and other professionals who provide care, want to know their own and their family's personal and health information. Their concerns are growing about the privacy and security of the family information. Our guests today, John Mills and Susan Bider, a husband and wife team, are going to talk about these challenges and the particular solution that they have developed for family caregivers. Now, I want to introduce them with their bios, first of all. John is the founder and CEO of eCareDiary.com. He spent almost a decade working on healthcare policy, serving as legislative director to a member of a key healthcare committee in the U.S., House of Representatives. He served on President Clinton's task force on health care reform. He later worked on the Bipartisan Commission on Medicare Reform. And as a caregiver for his father who suffered from Parkinson's disease and as a professional who spent over 20 years working in health care, he experienced the difficulties in the coordination of care. He discovered elder care to be highly fragmented and lacking a centralized source of information. And overall, he brings a unique perspective to the issues of long-term care, and he's used his expertise to develop eCare Diaries website. Susan Bider is co-founder and chief marketing officer of eCareDiary.com. She's a certified geriatric scholar and a former Fortune 500 marketing executive. For seven years, she cared for her grandmother, who suffered from severe rheumatoid arthritis. She coordinates care for our aging parents, 
She and her husband, John, cared for his father during his final years with Parkinson's disease. And that was an experience that led them both to the founding of eCareDiary.com. Having worked in industries that are responsive to consumer needs, she was shocked to find that healthcare and long-term care systems are not oriented towards end users like family caregivers. A mission is to bring fragmented aspects of elder care under one roof and to empower families with practical tools and information. Welcome to the show, Susan and John. Thank Great. you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Now, my first question is for Susan. Susan, I want to know, want you to tell us, please, a, a little bit more about your professional background and how you work, and about your work prior to setting up eCare Diary. And I want to also build into that question. You're telling us more about what you've learned from your experience as a family caregiver. Susan? Uh, my my caregiving experience began with my grandmother. Uh, I mentioned that she uh, had severe rheumatoid arthritis, and I cared for her when I was in my 20s. Um, she and my grandfather were the only relatives li- living in New York City, and I was the only uh, relative left of our family to help them with their needs. And when my grandmother became uh, severely ill, it fell on my shoulders to care for her personal needs, such as bathing her and, um, you know, doing some things that my grandfather really couldn't manage on his own. Uh, so that was one caregiving experience. And uh, my parents are also aging. My father is partially blind from type 2 diabetes. And uh, my mother, about two weeks ago, was just diagnosed with uh, arthritis. And... Uh, as you know, we also, my husband and I, John, my, my husband John and I, uh, took care of my father-in-law who suffered from Parkinson's disease. So uh, these are uh, a summation of my uh, various caregiving experiences, and uh, I was doing all of these things while I was working in consumer marketing. I've worked uh, uh, for major companies uh, such as Estee Lauder and Clinique and Avon, uh, launching new skincare lines and makeup products. And I come from an industry that is very responsive to consumer needs. Uh, and in the process of caregiving, I, I really, as you say, was shocked to learn that long-term care and elder care were not oriented towards the end user. Uh, I was very frustrated while I was in the experiences of caring for family and realized, you know, in conjunction with John, that there was a huge opportunity to bring all of these services under one umbrella to help simplify this, this very complicated uh, process and this field of long-term care. Right. John, it's the same question. Your professional background, your work prior to setting up EK Diary, and what you've learned from well, your own experience as a family caregiver. Thank you, Gordon. Um, well, it's interesting. You talked a lot about my public policy background, but when I left public policy about 10 years ago, I started working in the Internet health space. First, I worked at a company out in Portland, Oregon, called My Health Bank, that was building tools to help people who are choosing health plans in the United States um, understand their benefits and make better choices. And then I was actually hired by an insurance company in the New York City area called Hip Health Plan 
to build out all of its consumer web tools. So I was so to Susan's point about how healthcare is is generally not very consumer focused, I had been involved in making it more consumer focused and providing more information to people. And so when my father was diagnosed with Parkinson's and I was trying to coordinate his care, I was absolutely shocked at how siloed the long term care and elder care space was. And the fact what really surprised me was there was no sort of one website where people could go to get information um, about caregiving needs, uh, appointments, um, equipment, finding home health care aids. And so I really put my own experience working in the Internet healthcare space into creating eCareDiary.com. And as we talked about, my father had Parkinson's for a better part of a decade. And at the beginning, Parkinson's is one of these diseases that can be controlled pretty well through the medications. But as you get into the later stages of it, the medications really lose their effectiveness. And that's the point when he, probably the last three to four years of his life, when he needed home health care and just, you know, was on a deteriorating uh, path, unfortunately. And so that's how, really, I came about creating eCareDiary.com. Right. Uh, Susan um, and John, I'm going to both ask you a quick question because the the break is beginning to loom up. Um, What actually were the most powerful driving forces for you both, starting with Susan, to get started with eCare Diary? I think the most powerful driving force, and I think you touched on this at the beginning of your introduction, uh, is that when when you're faced with having to care for your loved one, uh, be there a, be them a parent or uh, an aging spouse, uh, you are most times shocked into the experience, and you don't know what you don't know, and suddenly you become what I call an instant chief executive officer of your loved one's care, and you have no prior experience. And yet you have all these things that you have to manage. You have to first identify the right medical professionals. You have to find services, be it a home health aid or a nursing home or adult daycare. You have to be the one to manage all the appointments and medications. You have to figure out financing. You have to get legal documents in order. These are all the things that you have to take care of, and uh, we created eCare Diary to help you with all of these various aspects of, of long-term care. The other thing that I, I thought was a driving force was the fact that it is so complicated and that it is so fragmented, and, and each of these areas don't speak to one another, so that's why you have to be the one to manage it all. Uh, and and really partner with the person that you're caring for uh, to ensure that that their their wishes and uh, are are met and that they're in conjunction with the services that are being offered. I would also say the third thing that was a very compelling driving force was that this adds a tremendous amount of stress. I think many families out there underestimate how stressful this is particularly if you're working full-time, and add to that if you have a family of your own. So John and I have a two-year-old toddler, and I'm now beginning to manage my parents' care. So it is uh, incredibly stressful, and we created eCare Diary, which I will add is completely free to anyone who visits the site. All the services are absolutely free, but it will help you manage all these different aspects of care 
to help you simplify it and and uh, give you the information and tools to empower you in that process. Right. John, John, I'm going to ask you to come in and just introduce us quickly to the full range of services that eCare provides in, <laughs> in 30 seconds or less. But I will give you a chance in the next segment to talk oh. off. John. Okay, sure. Um, well, we provide a host of services. We have our care diary, which is really um, an appointment and medication management tool and a one-stop shop where people can coordinate care for their loved ones and share it with people who may be assisting in the care. Uh, we also have a search engine where you can find care providers, be it a home health care aid, a nursing home, adult daycare, physical therapy services. We also provide legal and financial um, information, so information about living wills um, in the U.S., Medicare, Medicaid, other programs that help cover the costs of, of care. Okay, now I'm going to interrupt you at that point, but you'll carry on after the break right. because it is that time. You know, we have to pay the rent. So <laughs> this, this is Dr. Gordon Adderley and my guests are Susan Bider and John Mills. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune into a program that's all about empowerment and human potential. It's all about navigating your life. In fact, that is the name of the program. Tune in every Monday morning for the Navigating Your Life show with host Dr. Nathaniel J. Williams. Each week we'll discuss a range of topics to help you with the challenges facing us every day. The information given can be implemented immediately and may change your life forever. The Navigating Your Life show is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go inside the inner workings of the entertainment industry to find out what's next in television, film, and on the web. Listen for Next Stop Hollywood, hosted by entertainment insiders and pop culture junkies Brad Roth and Mark Feldstein. You'll find out how your favorite TV shows and movies are created and marketed, from the conventional to the creative. This fast-moving industry has much more behind the scenes than what you see. No matter how big the screen, Next Stop Hollywood airs live Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Left Coast, 7 p.m. Right Coast on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Susan Bider and John Mills. Our topic is family, family information and caring for it. Now, I'm going to ask um, Susan to carry on talking about the services that eCare Diary provides, and then I'm going to ask about the kind of people, types of people who use those services. So, Susan, please. 
Thank you, Gordon. So I'd like to mention that we have uh, plenty of content for caregivers on the website, uh, such as latest health news specifically oriented to elder care. Uh, this news includes new findings, whether it be about uh, Alzheimer's research or uh, new findings to cure various um, long-term illnesses. Uh, we have condition information in our partnership with WebMD. And we also have a team of experts, uh, medical professionals and uh, uh, psychologists who, uh, who write articles for us and provide information to caregivers about how to care for themselves or uh, advise them on various aspects of uh, their loved one's care. Uh, I also would like to mention that to address the stress and isolation that many caregivers experience, uh, we created a very supportive social media community on our site, and it's not only on our site, but we also offer communities on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and I can't tell you how many uh, responses I've received about how helpful this has been to many caregivers out there who have felt alone in the process, and just hearing other stories and, and, and how others uh, coped with certain situations, they have found it so helpful, so I, I thought I'd mention that. Very good. John, do you want to say anything more about the types of people, the categories of people who um, use a care diary and on what they tell you about the challenges that they face? Um, yes. Well, the, the care diary is aimed mainly at family caregivers, but there are, it can be used by professionals, and there are some professionals who use it. Um, we actually just recently did a survey of our um, registered users, and we found some interesting things out. Um, for the most part, the users of the um, Care Diary are women, uh, not surprising because 65% of women um, are the caregivers. As, as a son who was the primary caregiver, that was kind of unusual. Uh, so we found that the number of registered users are very um, skews towards women. We also found that um, the registered users who use it also tend to be uh, older, which was a little surprising. Um, um, most are over the age of 50. But, so that, those were some very interesting findings. We also um, got some information from them about the challenges they faced. So we found that coordinating appointments and keeping track of all the medications that their family members are on is some of the biggest issues that they face. And so that's why we're finding that the Care Diary, um, which allows you to really manage that and to share it with people who you're caring with has been a really useful tool. So, that, John, that answers the question of how EK Care Diary helps family caregivers. Um, can you say more about their information-related challenges? That is to say, what is it that they're managing in that diary in the way of information? Well, we, we're very careful about what we actually look at. Um, we believe that anything that is actually within the care diary is your private personal information, so we don't take a look at the data per se. But in the survey, we found that the appointments and the medications were the main things that people use. The other thing that we found that people used is there's an ability to create what we call a personal blog, which is largely a journal which you can share with family members about the status of your loved one. So we also found that that's a very popular feature within the Care Diary. So right. those, those are the things that people seem to be using the Care Diary itself for. Very interesting. Susan, 
Can you, without going into any sort of private yeah. information about people, can you give us some examples of the way in which family caregivers successfully manage their information to overcome their challenges? Oh, sure. Well, we've actually had feedback from our users. We've had people actually write to us, and and also in our survey we requested feedback. So uh, recently one woman told us how it helped her, her keep her sister in the loop on the care of their mother. So this woman lives close to her mother. She's the primary caregiver. Her sister lives in another state and is, is wanting to be on top of what's going on, and they find the care diary to be very helpful in that respect. Uh, she has access to the calendar uh, and can see, uh, you know, what types of uh, pills she's taking, how often, and where she's going and what she's doing and uh, what her progress is. Um, another person loved the fact that the care diary is free and that she likes receiving email reminders while she's working about her father's medication throughout the day. Um, so it enables her to give, for example, if she's suspecting that maybe the home health aide or someone else uh, who's watching over her father might have forgotten the medication, she'll just give them a phone call. Um, interestingly enough, a home, health, a home health agency has also let us know that they have their home health aides using the care diary with clients that they're caring for. So they've t contacted us to tell us how useful they found it. John, I'm going to ask you the same question. Have you got stories of the way family caregivers successfully manage their information to overcome their kinds of challenges? Um, we, we do. Um, in addition to the um, story Susan told you, I actually have a personal story of my own family. Um, my sister, father-in-law, suffers from Alzheimer's, and he lives, they live, the children all live in different towns from him, and but he's 86, and they want to come visit him every, every weekend. They want someone there to visit him every weekend, and so they use um, the care diary to basically every week they get, or I'm saying every month they get on a conference call, and they look, use the care diary to schedule which weekend who is going to come and visit their father-in-law. So that's another way that it can be used, and they, they they've found it invaluable because. It used to be, you know, 20 emails going back and forth. Now they can all look at one calendar at once and get it all scheduled in about 10 minutes. That reads into something um, which in North America is, seems especially important. Everybody lives a long way, or oh, the families are very dispersed over a huge distance. Um, I'm, am I to understand from this then that this question of distance and the separation that creates is overcome? To, to a marked degree, by eCare Diary. Is that right? Well, um, uh, yes. I mean, I don't think it completely overcomes it, but it certainly helps to make it easier. I mean, that's the wonderful thing about technology and the Internet is that while people may live all across the country, even all across the world, it is a way to communicate with everyone and in a way to bring people closer. So I would say yes, that it definitely helps to overcome the distance issue. There are some things that obviously you need to be there in person regardless, as I was talking about with my, my sister's father-in-law, but it, it does help bring people together. There's no doubt about that. Right. Susan, um, let's reverse this flow. Do family caregivers give you advice, you know, for eCare Diary, about the types of information they need to manage? 
Can you give us some examples of this? And please, can you say to what extent you are evolving uh, EK Care Diary to meet the needs that are expressed to you by family caregivers? Yes. Oh, well, the Care Diary could not have been built without the feedback from numerous families uh, managing a, a very diverse range, a range of issues. Um, yes, the, the site was inspired by uh, John's and, and my experiences as, as uh, personal, our personal experiences caregiving. Um, but yes, we've gotten such tremendous feedback in the year that we've been uh, live on, online. In fact, this September will be our one-year anniversary, and uh, in this past year, we've received feedback, which has led to the uh, uh, basically us adding uh, additional services and, and elements to the care diary, which we're planning to uh, upgrade uh, to anniversary the launch of our site last year. So, uh, for example, one family of an Alzheimer's patient asked us to add a section to monitor their daily progress. Uh, their basic, their parent is essentially under a new medication, and they now want to basically see how they're reacting to it. So they want to track uh, daily progress in a special section uh, of the care diary. We also recently added a medication management tool that helps track refills and dosages. And in addition, we've added a patient profile and then also a section for families to enter emergency contact information. So, yes, this is always done in partnership and uh, from very helpful feedback from families. And, and Gordon, we're, we're yep. constantly getting new um, suggestions all the time. I was on the phone with someone the other day who was using the Care Diary and she suggested that it would be really helpful to have information about um, legal information in there, so to keep the contact of your lawyer or other types of um, people that may not be specifically medical, but that you that people do use um, towards end of life care. So um, we're always seeking new feedback from people and trying to integrate it when it makes sense into the care diary. Right. What that points to is that health information and family information are really a very broad spectrum of things that family caregivers need to know and need to manage. And sometimes they're specific to things like medication, and at other times they go into the much wider issues of sort of family information needs. Um, and the message I'm getting from you is that's one of the things that eCare Diary is uh, emerging to do. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, great. Now, we are at that time again. It is the break. So we're going to take this short break. This is Dr. Gordon Natalie. My guests are Susan Bider and John Mills. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your teams. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc. Letter G at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Susan Bider and John Mills. Our topic is caring for family health information. So I want to talk now about the aspect of caring for the information. Um, First question is to Susan, and it's this. We hear a lot about privacy and security with electronic information. So here's the question. Should family caregivers be concerned about privacy and security risks to their own and to their family's information? And if so, why should they be concerned? Well, uh, I will answer for eCare Diary, uh, absolutely not. Uh, The Care Diary is absolutely private, uh, secure, and safe. Uh, We uh, have a policy of not sharing any information available on the site to anyone, and uh, it is uh, hidden behind a firewall, and very. we have uh, technology that keeps it very secure. Um, We make a point of not featuring any advertisers and any portion of the Care Diary. We have uh, um, really kept that area very, very uh, secure and exclusively for family use. Now, let me go to John and ask, not now talking about eCare Diary, but generally about privacy and security risks for private and health information kept in computer systems. In other words, the big world outside of eCare Diary, what, what do you see as the privacy and security risks? Well, Look, I think almost any information can, you know, can be accessed whether or not it's a piece of paper in a file room or something within a secure system on a computer if someone really, really, really wants to get at it. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's a misperception out there that somehow because it's on paper, it's safer. Paper files get left on desks. Um, they get left um, in the um, places you forget about them, you throw them out, etc. People find them in the garbage. So the idea that paper is more secure 
than electronic, I really think is a misnomer. For the most part, I would say that stuff that is kept electronically is more secure for a host of reasons. It's much easier to build security around it. Um, there's a lot of really good software out there. I think the other thing you have to remember is that if someone tries to hack into a system or access information that they're not supposed to access, they leave a footprint. Now, there are ways to hide that footprint, but you can many times when there are uh, security breaches within hospitals and other institutions, you can trace back and figure out who is trying to access information they weren't supposed to access. So I actually think in a lot of ways, despite you know the periodic articles that get up on the news about this system was hacked or that system was hacked, that electronic is actually safer for the most part than paper. Right. Good. Susan, um, still talking about the wider world of paper and not just electronic, what... what are the types of harm that can come to families if their family and health information gets into the wrong hands? What's the harm there? Uh, you know, I, I, I think I feel actually more comfortable with John answering this particular question, but well, what I will say here is that I've uh, not heard about this happening with any, I mean, if you're asking specifically about users of eCare Diary, this has certainly no, no, not happened no. with any no. of our users, but no. um, I, I, can, I can say that from my own family experience, um, you know, I have a very unique family situation on my father's side with the care of my uh, 92-year-old grandfather, and I have seen uh, family information, uh, well, my, my grandfather's information particularly misused uh, within my own family because there are conflicts within, uh, between my aunts and my uncles and uh and so that is my own personal experience, having, having seen how health information gets misused, yeah. um, particularly uh, in, in a court situation. And, yes, I, I am very sad to report that my family is in court with one another uh, battling over conservatorship over my grandfather. And I think I might have forgotten to mention that he has uh, dementia. And, and don't, just to sort of chime in there, I mean, I think, it's a perfect example. I mean, usually when this information is misused, it's, it's used against people for some information. You know, an employer gets a hold of some medical information that they find out that uh, one of their employees is sick and decides to terminate them. Or they, you know, there have been stories about, um, and these are old stories now, but how banks, you know, there was an example about 10 years ago about a bank that got hold of someone who... Uh, was a customer who had cancer and they called their mortgage and things like that. So, I mean, I think those are the types of misuses that you see with it. You know, people take this information and use it against people uh, in some way. Or the situation with Susan's grandfather where there basically is a big family fight going on and they're taking information to say you're not taking care of this person properly. So those are the types of misuses that I have seen in my experience over the years. Susan, um I'd like to stay with what I'll call the family situation, not your own family, but the family situation which, as you described it, is unfortunately all too familiar to families. Mm -hmm. um, my own family has a story too, not all that dissimilar to yours, and I think there are many others. So my question to you is, what advice, if any, do you give to family caregivers who look after their family's health and family information, 
within the family. That is the kind of ways in which the information may be protected, the kind of steps that they may want to take ahead of time to maybe help prevent some of these problems breaking out. What kind of advice do you give? I have a few pieces of advice. I've actually written an article about this very subject of family. And uh, I think the first step, particularly if your family is uh, somewhat dysfunctional and, and you have members who are not speaking to one another, the first step I would say in that respect is, you know, keep the, the loved one the focus of the problem. I mean, you know, they should be the focus, and I think that as, as hard as it may seem, really try to leave uh, old baggage behind and focus on the issue at hand for the, for the purposes of your loved one. Um, the second thing I would say is uh, come together because the, the, the care of an aging parent or spouse is incredibly, uh, it's incredibly ridden with, with so many uh, things to do and so many areas and aspects to manage, and that, that, those tasks must be shared. They cannot be uh, handled by just one person. It, it just is tremendously stressful on one person. And, and it's what I've seen, I think the typical scenario is that the caregiver tends to bear all the weight and they don't ask for help. And so the more you can engage your family, and hopefully if you have a, a pretty happy family that can uh, get along and share responsibilities with one, with one another, you're in, you're in a pretty good place. Uh, the third thing I would say is when you do have a situation where you can engage family members and cooperate with one another to help in uh, the care of a parent, then use a... Uh, you know, a system, an online system like ours to keep it all together and centralized, keep all the information in one place so that there's no misunderstandings or confusions about, um, you know, when is dad supposed to take uh, this medication or when is he supposed to go to this appointment or to make that visit. You know, everything is in one place so that there's no room for misinterpretation and uh, no one feels out of the loop. Uh, I think that is certainly one of the best uh, pieces of advice that I can give families. And, you know, Gordon, I, I think, uh, you know, to the point about bringing families together who are spread across distances, I really feel that the act of caregiving itself uh, will actually change the dynamics of families. I think that, you know, families have been spread apart by, you know, careers and moving, you know, because of spouses or whatnot. But I really think because uh, so many that the aging population is increasing and more of their care is falling on families, that the act of caregiving itself will actually bring us all together once again. Right. John, more and more family caregivers in the types of situations uh, you've been describing, that is, you know, particular medical conditions like dementia, Alzheimer's, and the rest of it, they find themselves to be the eyes, the ears, and the voices of the family member they're providing care for, which means that they interact with healthcare professionals like physicians. And in, in many situations, the physician starts to um, rely on the family caregiver as the observer, the taker of the medical history, the observer, and so on. Now, do you have any advice for family caregivers who find themselves in that eyes, ears, and voice situation in dealing with the healthcare system? Um, I do. Um, I, one of the things that's important to do, and I think, you're, 
I think the description of the keeper of the medical history is perfect, is to try and keep as good track of what's going on with the patient as possible and to make sure that if you're starting to notice a decline in your loved one, that you start to note the changes that you're seeing. I mean, interesting, my father suffered from Parkinson's, and what I found very interesting about Parkinson's is my father would go along on a steady plane for probably anywhere from 6 to 12 months, and all of a sudden there'd be a drop. And then he'd go along another plane for maybe another 6 months and a drop. And so noting when you start to see those declines down to that next level um, is really important, and it helps the physician understand what's happening with the patient. I mean, let's face it, physicians, you know, see the patient maybe at most every four to six weeks for 20 to 30 minutes. They're just not going to be able to pick up everything. So it's very important that you keep track of these things so that they are aware of what's happening. Right. Now, we're going to take our break again, and we're going to come back to some of these issues, um, which not only are they important, they're actually very challenging. Um, But let's go into the break first. It is time for that break. This is Dr. Gordon Affley, and my guests are Susan Bider and John Mills. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show, Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You want to know the inside scoop on how today's leaders do business? How they hire and develop top talent? How do they retain top employees and customers? Tune in to Leadership Leverage on the Voice America Business Channel. Every week, Dr. Robert Denker will offer ideals and facilitate discussion with guests that will help shape today's up-and-coming leaders as well as established leaders in their fields. Listen for Leadership Leverage every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Susan Bider and John Mills. Um, our topic is caring for family health and other information. Um, you know, family caregiving is more and more important, not just for families, but also for the healthcare systems and society as a whole in North America, Europe, and beyond. So let's talk about what needs to be done 
to help family caregivers use computer technology and the Internet to enable them to safely manage their family's health and family information. So starting with John, what is the advice that you give to family caregivers about the benefits to them of using computer technology and the Internet to use their caregiving challenges? Well, I'm a big believer in using both the computer and the Internet to keep track of information. And I think one of the reasons is without it, what tends to happen is you're keeping, you're keeping track of things on pieces of paper. And we talked about you know, pieces of paper get lost. Um, um, the other thing is not everybody has access to it at all times. So one of the things about putting things up on an Internet, and such as Ikridari, but in just in a shareable format is that everybody, you can give whoever you'd like to have access to it. And I think that's very important because we were just talking about the fact that there may be people who are sharing in the care, but they may not be actually physically located in the same town or city. So you may, you know, as Susan was saying, it's important as a caregiver to delegate out tasks. So you may delegate, help me find a home health care agency to your sister that lives, you know, 500 miles away. Well, if you have a place where they have all the information about mom or dad, that makes it much easier for them. So I believe in that. Also, the other thing is that there's a lot of information just in general about healthcare out there on the Internet, you know, from a whole host of different sites, not just about caregiving, but if you need information about the disease that the person may be suffering from, you can use the computer and the internet to get that information. So you know, if it's Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, there's the associations that deal with that. There's also the you know, sites like WebMD. So I'm a big believer that it really can be a big help in simplifying life for family caregivers. Fair enough. Now, John, with you again, the, this question. You made the point earlier that paper is, can be dangerous as well as information technology, you know, when information of an important kind goes to the wrong places. Now, what I want to ask you is, given that there are risks about arising from information technology, and I'm thinking of things like credit card fraud, um, mortgage and title fraud, um, and, you know, um, identity theft, and those sorts of unpleasant things. What's the kind of advice, what's the advice that you give to family caregivers about those risks and any others um, where you think they should be particularly careful? Well, I think you need to use the same caution you use with the Internet that you use in any other portion of your life. So don't, you know, we're talking about credit card fraud. If, if you're on a questionable website and they're, that you're not sure about and they're asking you for a credit card number, don't give it to them. If you go to a website and one of the first things they ask you to do is to register and provide you with a credit card number, if you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. If it doesn't seem totally right to you, then it probably isn't. So I think use a lot of sort of the common sense advice that you would use in the re- other parts of your life. Um, it's not any different for caregivers. Um, so I think those are things. You know, identity theft is a very um, scary thing, and um, one thing I would say to people is if, if you go to a website that asks you for Social Security number or Medicare number in the U.S., and I assume in Canada there's something similar, yep. uh, don't put it in. I mean, 
just don't, you know, that's the type of thing that no, no reputable website will ask you for. And, and again, most reputable websites won't ask you for a credit card number unless you're purchasing something. So those are the types of things you have to be careful about. The other thing that I would say beyond the Internet, uh, because fraud against um, the elderly is a very common thing, you make sure that you have that conversation with mom and dad. If you get a phone call from somebody soliciting and they ask you for your you know, credit card or bank account number or whatever, don't give it to them. Ask them to send you something in the mail. I mean, this is a practice I use all the time with phone solicitations. I say, I don't give my credit card number out over the mail. Please send me... Um, uh, I'm sorry, I don't give my credit card number out over the phone. Please send me something in the mail. And any reputable organization will send you something in the mail if they really want you to either purchase something or contribute. If they're telling you they won't do it, then there's probably fraud going on. Right. Now, Susan, over to you. Um, and I'm going to ask you this. What more needs to be done by the computer technology industry to enhance two things, the safety of computer technology for family caregivers, you know, having regard to the kind of things John's just been talking about, and also the usefulness of computer technology for family caregivers. Sure, what, in other words, should the industry be doing? Susan? Yes. Uh, well, I, again, I'd love to defer this to John. John is the uh, expert on uh, technology, so I, I would love to defer this to him again. All right. Fair enough. John? Um, well, I think um, I think there's a lot the computer technology is already doing um, with things around uh, secure socket layers and other technology that uh, built in there around security. Um, I think with a lot of industries, they they don't do enough self policing, and I, I understand. You know, there's a lot of companies out there. It's very hard to identify the ones that are good or bad. But I, I do think that that you know, if there are bad um, companies out there, you know, we we're just talking about a, a website, and there are websites out there that will, one of the first things I ask you for is a credit card number. Well, if the computer industry would not provide, you know, most people websites are hosted within big server farms. If these server farms would not host these websites, then they'd have to go get their own servers, which are quite expensive. I mean, I think there are things like that that the industry could probably be doing to better police themselves. Now, I realize that's hard, and, you know, if you're running a server farm, you want the, the revenue, um, and it's sort of a push-pull. And I, I, I'm actually going to say that's why you actually need an outside um, entity, such as a government or um, some sort of a not-for-profit which has enforcement powers to basically oversee these things. Right. Susan, I'm going to ask you um, what sounds to be the same sort of question, but relating to government. But really, here's how I'm going to provide, put it to you. Um, supposing that you are a politician, and uh, I'm being light-hearted, but I'm really quite serious in this question, and you are wanting to say to people who you want to elect you, here's what I would do to enhance both the usefulness and the safety of computer technology for family caregiving. What are the kind of things that you would, you would talk about? I'm not talking about technology. I'm talking about policy. I think that I would put uh, perhaps limitations on the type of information that is requested of families. 
I, I think that um, I would perhaps, uh, you know, include information, for example, about how, uh, you know, I think that uh, I think that a government uh, should should request companies to, um, you know, utilize uh, certain softwares to help ensure that. Uh, people's information is protected. So I would make those um, perhaps some standardized requirements in order to actively do business on, on a website. Here's a, here's, a, here's a tricky one coming up. Do you think government itself wants too much to see too much of our, our personal health information or not? This, to me, I wanted it to Susan, but okay. both of you can deal with it. Susan first, though. I'm sorry. So, uh, what what do we think? Do we think government has uh, too much of a role, or too much of an interest in our personal health information? Do you think? Um, to be frank with you, I I think that uh, I think the efforts being made now, at least in the United States, about um, engaging uh, you know professionals and and healthcare organizations to bring information online I think is a is a very good step in the right direction because I feel that our systems are currently very antiquated I mean uh, yesterday uh, John and I went to the hospital for some tests and uh, I could not believe that I was actually writing on 20 sheets of paper for signatures or you know filling out forms I mean it was really ridiculous and and he and I just looked at each other as and, and hoping that in the next 20 years we won't have to, you know, people won't have to be filling out forms uh, with regard to their own health care. Fair enough. John, same question. Um, what more does the government need to do to protect and make more useful um, computer technology for family caregivers? Well, uh, there are already some basic, in the United States there are some basic privacy safeguards in place um, through an act called HIPAA. And the, one of the issues with this, this act was it was at, it's, a, it's a 15-year-old law, and it was enacted at a time when most of the computer information was going back and forth between th- third parties, so between doctors and hospitals and insurers, et cetera, labs, et cetera. Um, what it didn't anticipate is sort of the explosion of websites and personal information that people self-enter into websites. And, and so I do think that the one thing that government doesn't always do so well is sort of keep laws up to date as technology changes so that people do feel secure knowing that when they're entering information into a website like eCareDio, and as I said, we have very high privacy standards and, and comply with um, HIPAA, even though it doesn't actually apply to us, because this is important to us, but not every website is like that, and so I do think that it would, government needs to be more vigilant about updating these laws, and I think what happens is they tend to pass these laws, and I can say this from having worked in Congress, and it's sort of like they check it off the list, that's done, we can move on to the next um, topic, and as we know in the world of technology, it's always emerging and always changing, so it's not really just a checkbox, it's done. And so I do think that they, they need to be revisiting a lot of these issues more frequently, more frequently than they do. 
Right. Um, Susan and John, um, that's your uh, platform, your political platform. I would vote for you both. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> now, uh, we are out of time, and I want to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners, and I invite you to email us with your comments and questions, and if you're interested in Susan's um, article that she's written on family health information, please email um, one of the uh, uh, breaks will give you the information about email, emailing, and I'll be happy to pass it on to them. And I want to say thank you to our guests, the team, Susan Bider and John Mills, um, for sharing your information, your insights, your advice, and also your dedication to uh, what I see as a public service. Uh, it's free. Uh, I haven't asked you the question, and I won't. Um, well, how do you survive <laughs> financially? And I'm not being unkind when I say that. Um, and I want to wish you, first of all, every strength and every success, because what you represent is what I've said before many times, and that is family caregivers who've been through the experience of family caregiving, so many of them turn around, look over the shoulder, and see people who are just starting out on that road and want to do something to help them. And that's what you two are doing, and that's why I wish you so much success. Now, in our next episode, we're going to talk about dementia beyond drugs and what this means for family caregivers. So please join us, same time, same spot, on the internet. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 